Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Hoops Journey, where we're going to take a little bit of a twist. I'm excited and uh, looking forward to bringing out more of the education side of myself today as we sit down um, with a couple of ladies who are part of the Kevin Love Fund, um, a really important organization that is focused on mental health, um, anxiety, and how one thing for me as a teacher, I feel there's a bit of a boundary when a, a student comes to me and wants to talk to me about maybe something you're going through, and I, I don't know when to cross that boundary what my professionalism is there. And I think um, these ladies will make some things clear for us. And they're also going to talk about a program. You know, Kevin has been very open about who he is and the struggles and things that he's been through, which I think is phenomenal. Someone in his position, a curriculum that's going to come to Canada. I'm excited to get the curriculum going and to also uh, work with it and teach it to my kids next year. Um, 15 lessons, I believe, is what they have right now. And um, and I'm thrilled to have the ladies from the Kevin Love Fund. They're going to introduce themselves, let let people know a little bit about their background, why they're here. Um, and I love how, you know, the world works. This is uh, an interview from an interview, um, a friend of a friend. And now we're sitting down being able to enjoy our Monday morning coffee and talk mental health. And as a teacher and coach, it's something that I face and see and in my own personal life face and see every day. So Ladies, welcome to the show, and we'll give you uh, we'll give you the stage to uh, just introduce yourselves and let us know a little bit about yourselves. Thank you so much for having us. Your introduction, I know I speak for both of us, makes me excited to be part of this conversation. We definitely can help talk through and address um, your concerns and thoughts about what you appropriately share with students, being the trusted mm -hmm. adult in the classroom or on the field, and um, we're just excited to be here. I'm one of the two co-directors with Ellie. Um, we're the directors of education for the Kevin Love Fund. And um, we can tell you a little bit about how we came to be a part of this. But I wonder, should we explain um, to your audience Kevin's story a little bit? Would that be helpful? Sure. I think, you know, I mean, being a basketball-based podcast, I think most of our listeners, but I think it is important I was watching his interviews um, that you sent me and, and learned a couple things myself. But yeah, let's let's get into the why for Kevin because it is powerful and it is important. And I think it's great when people that, you know, I think athletes have this sort of perception of being big, strong, mentally tough people and they're never vulnerable. And I think he took a huge step in in doing what he did. So yeah, please, let's talk about his story a little bit and the why behind that. Okay, great. Um, and then I'll let Ellie introduce herself right after because it kind of blends together how we I love it. part of this project. So, on the same page, people. Yeah. Kevin, <laughs> you know, several years ago had a very public panic attack on court, which was nationally televised at the time. And he decided to be very like brave and vulnerable about what was going on with him. And he could have, I guess, put a, a, a spin on it and not told what would not share what was happening. But in that moment, he kind of wanted to be that change he wished to see in the world. And at the time, there were not many um, athletes talking about mental health. And he decided to write his story and share his struggles with anxiety and depression. And he wrote this article that was published in the Players Tribune. So and good. The, the response he had was so overwhelming in support of him and 
almost more importantly, right, people saying this happened to me as well. And I thought I was the only one. And this helps me so much. And parents reached out to him whose children had taken their lives. And the parents said, I wish my son or daughter had known that you struggled as well. And this would have helped them or students reaching out saying, and we've met with some of these parents now who have unfortunately had to channel their energy into their sadness and grief into starting their own nonprofits. And then students reached out saying so many adolescents and students and young athletes reached out saying, we have struggled with this as well. And we thought we, we felt so isolated and alone. So Kevin realized this need and he decided to bring together experts in education, which is where Ellie and I came in and um, psychiatrists and psychologists. And we all kind of came to the table and discuss what we thought should be in the drinking water for middle schoolers and high schoolers and college students around the country and hopefully the world. We're expanding into Canada. And um, and I'll tell you a little bit more about the curriculum, but I want Ellie to be able to explain how she came, came into this organization. Awesome. It's kind of an incredible story of synergy because this moment that Kevin was sharing his story so vulnerably and Sarah, you described it so well, like he was one of the first people to do that really in in both in athletics and also like just in general. And so he was such a leader in that. And I, at that exact moment, literally was finishing up my um, PhD research. And I had been a high school teacher who really wanted to make schools. um, And I'm guessing this might resonate with you having just talked with you for a few minutes. I wanted to make schools into places where students knew that they could bring their whole self and that included their feelings and their thoughts. And and right now, a lot of kids don't feel that way. They feel like schools are only places where I think and talk about my ideas. But if I'm feeling an emotion, I just kind of keep that to myself. And I wanted to help change that. And so I went to get a PhD to prove how important it is. And I was part of this larger research team that had been looking at, you know, what kind of actionable steps can we do as teachers? Is there a pedagogy? Is there like a an approach that we can take that will help to communicate to students that um, schools are places where they can bring their whole self. And Mm -hmm. what we found from this research, and I was part of this larger team at the University of Colorado, I was working with the the main primary investigator is a woman named Elizabeth Dutro, who's been really a leader in um, trauma-informed practices in schools. And what this team was finding was that teachers going first, as Sarah said, being the trusted adult who models for students that they also have feelings, you know, in thoughtful ways, not sharing every part of their emotional life, but sharing maybe a story of loss with their students, or um, maybe sharing that they, um, you know, also have experienced um, anxiety in their life, you know, kind of modeling for students that they're not robots is the practice that kind of opens up the door to students. So they know, oh, wow, schools are places where this is allowed now. And so what was amazing and beautiful in terms of the synergy is that Kevin was doing this brave modeling and that in in itself is the practice that helps people to share their story too, that someone goes first and then everybody can say, oh, I'm not alone. And that was what happened with Kevin. All these young people and adults too said, oh my gosh, Kevin, you went and shared your story and now I know I'm not alone. And it's so healing to find out like both I've had a hard thing happen and I'm not the only one, you know, it's really hard to be alone in it. So that's kind of fun. work research came in and we and that pedagogy is one of the kind of threads that we wove together into this free curriculum that we built that Sarah was describing. Amazing. 
isn't it funny how the you've used the word synergy a few times about how the world just works like timing and like it's happened even on this i mean look at how we connected you know like it's just yeah. it's funny how things are supposed to sort of come together and i i um i hear you and i'm getting a little bit of the goosebumps because yeah. i i I'm one of my biggest issues with with teachers and and not from a negative standpoint but just is like why why can't we be vulnerable ourselves as adults and sort of like if we want if I want Joey to do his science homework I'm not a science teacher it probably is going to go better if I know a little bit about Joey or Joey knows a little bit about me and I I think we're still I think we're getting there we're better than we used to be but one of the things I do in my leadership classes I have a a presentation to start and tell it like from basically what I was like as a kid to high school, you know, my wife and I, we had six miscarriages, we had to adopt, you know, so just all those stories that make me who I am. Right. And then I, I think um, my son, you know, listening to you speak is, is neurodivergent. He's ADHD. Right. And so we're learning more about him and sort of just um, seeing him for who he is, right. And, and making him feel like he can be who he is. Right. And I, and I think the cookie cutter that we grew up in do this, listen, follow the rules. That's just not, that's you know, who these kids are. Um, and I think what you're both doing is, is powerful and amazing stuff. So thank you for, for doing that. Um, and, and sharing Kevin's story. And I think you're right. Like someone like him, 4 million followers on Instagram, you know, a, you know, a celebrity in his own right, an all-star basketball player to, to say that and sort of have that snowball effect, I think is so huge. Um, but I think we overlook the fact that some kids in schools look at us like Kevin loves, you know, they yeah. see us as those people. Right. And um, so talk about maybe just the curriculum, what it can do. I touched on a few things, you know, I know, I feel like I, I make my best effort as an educator to have kids feel comfortable around me, you know, safe space, being a PE teacher, you know, being kind of like a jockey guy growing up and understanding that a lot of kids freaking hate PE. You know what I mean? Like it's there. I was not a math guy, but I could hide at my table. No one knew how I was doing except the teacher and me because I didn't share my marks. When you're in PE, you're vulnerable, you're running around, people can see your ability, right? So I try to make them feel that they can be safe and that, I'm not really worried about how many layups they can score. It's like, it's a lifelong thing for them. Right. So, but if a kid comes to me, how do I know? And, and understanding too, I'm talking a lot, but just sort of maybe that student isn't comfortable seeing the counselor because they don't know the counselor, right? They see me every second day. Um, but the counselor, there's no connection there for the, for, for a 14 year old person to walk into a door and be like, Hey, I think I'm depressed or I'm going through this. It's a pretty hard thing to do. So how do teachers know and what what will the curriculum provide for me when we start to go into to be able to open up those conversations if my question makes sense? I mean, I love everything you're sharing and I have like 18 answers in my head. <laughs> Sorry, but, I said 18 you know, things. So. I mean, I, I sense that we're kind of preaching to the choir with you. So there's kind of two kinds of educators that I think we meet with. Mm -hmm. One is like you who just naturally exudes these principles already you know the fact that you're already sharing the struggles your wife and you had with having children as you introduce yourself to your students you're already living and breathing this social emotional learning curriculum that we created and we created it with psychiatrists and psychologists so we really put so much thought into what to share and how I saw the amount of people on the website that like the yeah. research that's been done wow because it's two things right it's an invitation like yeah. Ellen said, to feel in school. And 
and you seem to be a very natural trusted adult for students, maybe some students will be drawn to a school counselor. A lot of um, athletes are drawn to their coach and Mm -hmm. you have one person that you feel you can go to to share when you're going through a difficult time. And we've seen this as actually life-saving, not only life-changing, but also, like you were saying, you use the expression, when we were growing up, there's a lot of generational programming that we are kind of like trying to undo. Um, And so even if you're not a teacher that naturally is used to sharing personal stories, we were kind of told not to, right, as we were getting our education, we, in we, we give this curriculum for free and we do an hour long, 60 minute virtual training. And in that, we, the, main, um, the main piece of it is really talking about how to share in age appropriate and intentional ways. And we do this, we have really, we can tell you a little bit more about our lessons, but they're really engaging and they have creative arts project. And like Ellie said, the reciprocal vulnerability is at the core of what we've created, but the the important piece of it, the magic piece of it is teachers feeling comfortable delivering these lessons. And we have some expert and guest artist videos who help the educators, whether it's athletic directors or coaches or teachers or school counselors. We have expert videos and guest artist videos that help kind of um, Mm co-teach a little social emotional learning. And what we kind of all, when I said we came around the table, what we kind of all discussed is there's all this mandatory learning in school, right? Um, you mentioned a science teacher, but I'm the mom of two teenage girls and they both have oh, gone you're right through, in it. <laughs> yeah, I'm in it. Yeah. <laughs> but they've both gone through hours of memorizing the periodic table of elements, for instance. And I'm just using that as an example because neither of my daughters are going to be scientists or chemists. But I'm always so amazed that so much of their energy and they're fretting over the grades for these tests and no one is teaching them um, psychology and the, the concept of your thoughts and your emotions and your behaviors being connected or what cognitive distortions are or that everyone is going through different psycho stages of development. Like to me, that should be required learning for teenagers. And so we're trying to to correct that a little bit. And Ellie, did you want to talk a little bit about the structure of our lesson plans? I could just listen to you. Yeah. When I hear Sarah describe the curriculum, I think you do it in such a beautiful way. Like it makes me want to do a lesson right now. Like we all, (laughs) you know, and that is one of the other cool things. I'll speak to that in a second, but I, that's the other cool thing we found is that like, you know, as we're kind of moving the needle here for students and saying, wow, you know, you don't have to be a robot. Like it's, it's a wonderful benefit that we're also doing that for teachers too. Like what we heard from the teachers is that like, they also need that. They're also trying to find time to like honor and express their own emotions. And so that's one of the cool things about this curriculum is that we really ask teachers and we train them how to do it in this one hour free training. We ask them to create the creative projects that the students are going to make. We ask them to do it too. If they're mm. able would like to and then they would model that creative project for students so like if what the students were going to make was like a um if they were going to write a poem for example or make a collage or and it's really multimodal all the creative projects 
they're at the heart of the curriculum are going to draw on all of students' interests and different forms of kind of representing their stories. And the teachers would, if they're open to it, create an example project. But then the wonder of that, the wonderful thing about that is then they're also giving themselves the time and space to express their own feelings and their own stories um, if they feel comfortable. And as Sarah mentioned, if they don't feel comfortable, we have this bank of videos that will do that heavy lift for them. And they can Mm -hmm. kind of ramp up to that. Um, But the structure of the lesson um, is, and I sort of already spoke to it a little bit, but the structure of the lesson is that, you know, the teacher introduces the main idea, they play the two video clips Sarah just described, then they would introduce the creative project, and then the students make the project right there in the class, and then there's the chance to share at the end. And it was pretty amazing, like, we did this, I had been doing this work for many years, so I knew that there was going to be a lot of connection that happened as a result of the sharing piece. I thought, wow, when students hear each other's stories, we know that that helps them feel a sense of connection. But the statistics statistics out of the pilot of 75 schools were so good that um, one one of my husband's friends came over who's a statistician said, these statistics are suspicious. (laughs) (laughs) I said, I promise you they're true statistics. They were so good. And the reason they're so good is because what we know is that All you need is to hear someone else's story to feel a sense of connection with them and to feel like you belong in the space. Like that process of sharing your story and feeling heard and witnessed and hearing someone else's, it was what creates belonging. So at the end of the curriculum in our pilot year, 75 high schools, 84% of students said they felt an increased sense of belonging. It was just like unbelievable to me, but also believable because- of what I just shared about that feeling of like, wow, I can feel heard and seen. And also I have the chance to hear someone else's stories. And students saw, you know, that this specific thing I'm going through, whatever it is, if it's, you know, challenges with body um, image issues, if it's challenges with, you know, anxiety or depression or whatever it is that they're afraid of, someone else in their class is going through that too. And then, you know, they feel that connection. So that's kind of the lesson structure. But the other beautiful thing about our curriculum is that we know we're not experts in the teacher's um, school. They know their students way better than we do. And they know what is going to work best for their class. So we say, here's a menu of videos. You choose the one that will resonate with your students in terms of the content of what they're concerned about. And then also here's some like basic language that you can use as an example to introduce the concept we're teaching, but you make it your own. Like, you know, teachers, and I'm guessing you feel this way too, you heard that word scripted lesson plan. It's like, I don't want a script. I know my kids. We do not have a scripted lesson plan. We just have a jumping off point and then teachers make it their own. And that's why the students love the curriculum so much because the teachers tailor it um, to fit their class really well. Sarah and Ellie taking us to church on a Monday morning. This is fantastic. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, you touched on something huge there, Ellie, just in terms of, I, I can't mention over, you know, 18 years of teaching, how many times I've like, oh, sign up for this leadership curriculum. And then it's like, there's 408 things and I'm going, where do I, like, what do I narrow it down to and how do I, and, and so I think it's important to touch on that I know as daunting as maybe as an educator to find that one hour to sit down with your team or, you know, and go through that training. It's like, huh, but really it will really just bring some clarity. It sounds like to what you want to do and how to go about it. And I think 
the thing that for me that I kind of paused on because I was like, all right, I'm diving in now. And then I looked, I'm like, 15 seems doable to me, right? Like we're not talking, you know, because I can't tell you how many things I've signed up for and I get the emails weekly and I'm going, holy, this, I need someone, I need some guidance here. And so it sounds like there's a little bit more of, I mean, I'd be the student and you're the teacher's relationship there, right? When it comes to that training, a question that's just, do you suggest, like if I, me and my PE department were interested, have you, do you do people in group settings or yeah. We do this on a daily basis. And what's so great, it's so so funny because we've never spoken with you before and you're asking all my favorite questions. Yes, me too. Um, But I, um, what I love is, and Ellie always says, doesn't surprise me, but what I love is when we started doing this, we originally wrote it for the students. Kevin's Mm. mission was to give access to adolescents around the country. And what we realized, especially because we started writing this curriculum before the pandemic, what we realized is we were giving this never needed more gift to teachers and to coaches around the world. And they needed so badly. We we do trainings virtually with Zoom, which again, because of the pandemic became so popular and everyone has their own square like we have with you now. And, um, And it becomes this like Zoom room where once we model a lesson and Ellie shares some beautiful and heartbreaking experiences from her life to kind of model, to very bravely model vulnerability. And you can see as Ellie shares her first uh, letter or poem or whatever lesson we're demoing, you see the energy change. You see people lean in and no one is multitasking. And it just, their heart, your, she invites adults to witness her story and then to share theirs. And we tell people when you do this activity, you do not, you're not um, asked to read something out loud or share out loud unless you want to. And this, mm-hmm. and what we hear literally every single day is thank you for this gift. I haven't written about this ever before. I haven't given myself permission to think about this in a while. I've never take 10 minutes to just um, for myself, just pause and reflect. We did a training with a bunch of teachers um, in Massachusetts recently. There are probably like 30 people in the Zoom room and we have people turn off their camera while they're doing the creative activity. And the organizer of it said, I've got to tell you, I'm really shocked that you kind of these tired teachers at the end of the day, you told them to turn their camera off and come back in 10 minutes and they came back. I thought for sure people were going to drop off and every single person comes back. We've never had that happen because it's a gift we're giving to to really exhausted, stressed out, um, tired educators that put everyone else first before themselves. And this hour of, you can call it professional development, it's therapeutic, you know, and it gives them a gift to pause and honor their own emotions. And then they get to be the student and see how beneficial it is. And you mentioned 15 lessons. We have actually 14 in our original curriculum, and then we have five new ones that we're creating. But we found the secret to our success, like you alluded to when it gets so overwhelming when you have a new curriculum, you don't even have to take all 14. In the training, we discuss picking the lessons that resonate most for you and your student body. So as a PE teacher and a coach, you might choose the music playlist lesson to do first because it has Kevin's playlist that he plays before a game. Ooh, I'm all over this. (laughs) All over this. Students create 
music playlists that pump them up or make them feel part of the team. So you can choose and that way it fits into the school day or the after school program or the mental health day or the summer bridge program or whatever your needs are with your student population. Um, you can fit this in for what works for you. Yeah. And that's huge. And I, you know, I just finished doing, um, our health unit, like, you know, sex ed, vaping, kind of stuff like that, right? Um, and I know even people within my department aren't comfortable with that curriculum, right? But I think is if you've got, you know, 5, 10, 15 bodies in the school to make sure that, you know, we have 670 kids for five grades, so a fairly small school, that each kid is hearing the message, you know, I think that's the important part. Um, and I can't tell you how many kids came to me after or parents that emailed me said, thank you so much for talking about this stuff, right? One, it takes it off the table for me at home, right? You know, and and so just, and we brought in a couple speakers and it was very good. So uh, just listening to you both talk, we've got to be Brene Brown fans here, no? Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, right. okay. yeah. That's my girl, that's my girl. We watched the Netflix docu every year in yes. my leadership class. Yeah, um, she's great. So um, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, when I hear you talking about students saying and, and parents saying, thank you so much for talking about this. Like, I think there's this like, um, and I can relate to it too. Like I have this thought too, so no judgment, but I think there's this like misunderstanding that if we bring something up in a classroom, mm -hmm. it's like, it's going to make the students engage in behaviors that are maybe risky or do something or, and the thing that's, um, you know, this writing practice that we're inviting them to do, write about what you're really thinking and feeling for the students, like really inviting it and modeling it for them. And some people might feel like, oh, that feels a little bit risky. And I remember in my uh, dissertation defense using that word saying, this is feels a little, the, the risky writing or whatever. And my advisor was like, you know, actually you might think that it's risky, but it's riskier not to talk about it. Yeah. Like what's already, the truth is that the students' stories and life experiences and what they're going through, if it's cutting or it's disordered eating or whatever it is, it's already in the room and it's already happening. You bringing it up or at least inviting them to write about it is the safer thing to do because it's, it gives them an outlet or an avenue to express. Yeah. And that's why we always tell the teachers like, you know, there is this crisis in youth mental health. And I just read the statistic yesterday and it was, I don't even want to bring it up. It was so shocking. Like the rate of suicidal ideation that went up after the pandemic for teens. Like we know that if students have one teacher that they can go to where they feel like they can say how they really think and feel it's life-saving. And so it's, we feel that it's riskier not to talk about the things that are already in the room. So it's interesting to hear you talk about that, that there's this mm -hmm. feeling of like gratitude and relief of like, thanks for bringing up these topics that usually we don't talk about because they're on our minds. So kudos to you for bringing at the, being at the forefront. You're already kind of creating change in your system and it's a mirror of what we're trying to do in our program too. Yeah. Thanks. Well, I mean, then if, if we don't talk about it, then they go where they've got, look at all the other places they can go to find this information or what they think is information, you know, and it's, it's just not the healthy place. Right. And, um, we need to have these spaces and we've worked ourselves. And I think even you could probably both admit, like, if we didn't learn about mental health for ourselves during the pandemic too, anybody that tells you that they were all, you know, rainbows and unicorns during that pandemic is flat out lying. We all had our own ups and downs as adults, right? As I'm 45 years old. And there were some days I was like, am I okay? Like, this is hard. This is like, 
So if we can't learn from that and realize what these young people are going through, and that's for me as a teacher, sometimes I'm hard on the kids. Like I'm very laid back. Uh, they know my boundaries. Um, but I'm also like, I don't understand why we can't think about what we were like when we were 16 and 17. You know, it's like, you're, I know I get that you're really heated about this right now, uh, you know, adult, but do you remember how boneheaded you were? Remember like frontal lobe as boys, like we were really dumb. I mean, my wife still looks at me sometimes and is like, we're wondering about my frontal lobe, right? So <laughs> I think these are just great things to just continue. And we even do, um, we call them, we call them PLCs. So instead of having a staff meeting in the morning with professional learning communities, um, we've got one on truth and reconciliation, um, one on, in, um, you know, kind of in the environment, and then one is on mental health. So as adults, you know, we sit in there, our counselors and myself created some lessons, and we kind of open up the topic and discussion. And And some people are just like kids, not willing to engage, but they're there, right? They're, mm -hmm. they've chosen that out of the three groups, they've chosen that. So I think we've just learned so much and, and and hopefully with these things and these resources, we continue to. And I love the fact that you take the stress out of like, here's what it is, here's the hour, but you pick and choose. I really like that. I really like that because you don't feel like a lot of the platforms that I've seen, not just necessarily mental health is like, there's a beginning and an end. And it's like, you have to do the whole thing to sort of get through it where it's like, seems like, I mean, I'd be all over the Spotify playlist thing, right? Or whatever. I shouldn't mention platforms, but you know, like I, I just like I think that would be so cool, and 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 you're creating things that are also just connecting to kids. So, um, but yeah, it's good. was to like reduce the access. He was like, I want to make yes, sure that that's what I was going to say. So yeah. I was like, if the whole curriculum is free, which is very unusual for social, so crazy, so the whole program yeah. is free. The training is free. <clears throat> the ongoing support is free that we give teachers, so we continue to meet with them, we email with them, we give them whatever they need to teach the curriculum. It's all free. And because he really cares about access, we're saying, take whatever you're able to give. Right. You could do one lesson. If you can do one video from one lesson or one tiny sliver of an activity, we consider we're winning that in yeah. because it might be the first time that the student finds out that, oh, I have emotions or they watch one video of Kevin modeling vulnerability that could change their life. We know it. We know just reading his letter can that's lesson one. So yeah. we really have seen, and I want to speak to your point too, about, you know, these earlier about what you might do with like a team in athletic group. Like what we've heard from coaches too, is that like my team transformed, like my team is playing together differently than they did before they did one lesson from the, of this curriculum together because they bonded them together. And now they're interacting differently. So we just really believe in this model because we've seen it work at this huge scale, even if you only do one lesson. Also, what we've what we've seen is when people share stories, it humanizes the teachers for the kids and vice versa. You know, teachers are running, running through the day. And sometimes they just look at their students as this job or even if they love them, this body of of kids, of teams. Yeah. And then when you hear someone's story, um, it really humanizes it helps strengthen the relationship. And we do these feedback, uh, live feedback sessions with teachers and students at the end of the year. And we hear from teachers sometimes joking, this one delivered the curriculum and now they're the favorite teacher. But there really <laughs> is a bond that everyone I think needs in their school day. And even in our trainings, like we, I would like, when you were describing your professional development time or your professional learning, um, I was thinking, ooh, we can, zoom in and do a lesson with you guys then. Sure. But, that's, it's, but like Ellie said, like it was so important to Kevin to take away the 
the to reduce the barriers to access. And so part part of I think my favorite part of the job and probably Ellie's too is working with each school to help kind of tailor design the curriculum for their needs. And totally. it's it's very cool to see even in these trainings there'll be some stories I feel comfortable telling and some stories I don't. And then one person will share something that will make me feel, oh, okay, if they're talking about this topic, then I can go there and talk about this topic too. And again, it's intentional and thoughtful. We're not just dumping something on everyone else, but it's really been um, like a gift. Even Ellie and I doing these trainings over and over again, I always feel like I leave being touched and remembering a specific piece of several stories that I hear. Mm -hmm. It's very transparent, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the touch on coaching. I I think about my life as a, as a varsity, you know, grade 11 seniors, juniors and seniors, you would call them in America where grade 11s and 12s up in Canada. But uh, (laughs) like, the amount of X's and O's I've got away from and the more like paperwork, Google form, meetings, teamwork, understanding your role, like the honor and privilege of just making a team. I think for kids, there's a little disconnect there. It's sort of like, well, when do I get to play? And so how do you create these dynamic trusting teams where we can cheer for Ellie because she was MVP this weekend and maybe I didn't play that much, but I understand that I'm valuable and I understand my role and any sort of, you know, team bonding or team connection stuff is huge. And if you're going to do these as well, you never know the stories that are going to come out, which just create powerful teams and organizations, right? When one, that one person is comfortable enough and maybe it starts with the adult in the room and you go from there. So I think I love that it crosses over into different spaces because you're also, I mean, we're, we're talking about a basketball player, right? So he gets the concept and then he's got you two to support him and figure it all out. Right. And he filmed several, oh, sorry, sorry. You go, Ellie. You go. He filmed several, I was just going to say, Kevin filmed several videos. So four or five of our guest artist videos in this curriculum are Kevin speaking to the student, which is really cool. We also have Chris Paul, who did one guest artist video, who spoke about how his father, um, kind of naturally modeled random acts of kindness. Mm-hmm. And we have several celebrities. So I don't know if, is Breaking Bad popular in Canada? Of course. So uh, Brian Cranston, who nice. as you know, is Walter White, he does a video. So for kids who have seen Breaking Bad, the older kids, yeah. um, they get very excited hearing Brian talk about when he started his career, that kind of critical inner voice during his auditions. And that's really cool. Uh, Ellie and I are huge theater fans. So Lin-Manuel Miranda also did a guest artist video for us. And that's so exciting to hear him talk about music and writing and how that got him through difficult times. So there's a lot of inspiring videos. Plus, we have a lot of teenagers, a lot of young people talking mm-hmm. about it because we learned in the pilot that that middle school and high schoolers wanted to see other middle schoolers and high schoolers sharing as well. Mm-hmm. I was going to say we're writing a new lesson now that will launch as part of this new um, lesson kind of um, kit, I guess, in September. So we'll have a new set of lessons that we launched in September. 
And they're based on feedback that we got from students about what they wanted to learn more about, what they felt like, oh, this is something I want to do a deeper dive into. And one of those topics was performance anxiety because so many uh-huh. athletes complete our curriculum. Um, we're really, we have strong partnerships with a lot of athletic organizations and teams and coaches and athletic directors. And so we're writing this new lesson with a researcher who's studied, you know, what are actual tools that I can use if I'm getting ready for a game or in, what can I do in the middle of a game? Like, what if mm-hmm. I have a moment where I feel like I've lost my, um, you know, kind of, I'm not in the flow anymore. I'm starting to panic. And he gives tools to kind of help ground you and return to the game and get back in it. And so um, that lesson will roll out in the fall as part of this, this larger set. And then also other lessons that students really wanted more of, like uh, another lesson on anxiety in general, um, and a lesson about friendship and connection, which I think also really connects with that idea of building a really strong team. Um, mm-hmm. So just to your point earlier about, you know, coaches that that take this and bring this curriculum to their students as part of their, you know, how can we grow and support the team and the athletes? I think that new lesson is gonna be really one that's that's appreciated for them as well. Yeah, it's funny. I surveyed our kids too. And one of the ones they brought up that I never thought it was, they said, Mr. Mitchell, can you do a lesson on dealing with rejection? I'm like, oh, but, and rejection can look many, I mean, in a sports platform, it can look one way, right? In a relationship, it can look totally different. Rejection could be getting the 20% on my grade nine math quiz, right? So these, yeah, I think it's amazing stuff. If I'm a listening to this episode and I'm like a first time person, how do you suggest someone goes about it? Do we, do we go on the website and email one of you right away? Do you suggest a little bit of scrolling? What, you know, for someone who's new and want to just do some research, what do you suggest is best? You know, if you go on the website, um, it's kevinlovefund.org. And if you go on that website, the first page is actually a video of Kevin's story. So I would say that is incredibly inspiring. And um, I would watch that first if I was interested in this. Um, And then there is a contact us, you know, a reach out to us link. And you can just submit your information. People do it all the time. Every time Kevin goes and does an interview or has any press, we get hundreds of, um, of inquiries. Mm -hmm. And so once you, I think a pop-up kind of comes up on our website as well, that you can reach out to us, but it's very easy to find. And then the, the email gets sent to us and we immediately reach out. We have general curriculum intros that are 30 minutes. And then we have a 60 minute training. And once you go through the 60 minute training, you get a password to the lesson plans. And now you kind of have an understanding of everything we've been talking about, this age appropriate, intentional modeling of vulnerability and sharing and witnessing each other's stories. And then you get to customize it. And many, many schools and nonprofits ask for follow-up meetings with us to kind of Mm. customize or tailor design it. And that's what I was saying we love to do and what was important to all of us, to Kevin and to Ellie and I, to make sure we provided that service as well. And if you want your whole staff to be trained, um, the reason why we originally wanted our training to be four hours and we realized Mm. that's not realistic. So we really worked to (laughs) condense it and distill it to 60 minutes so it can fit into people's professional development. And we, we sometimes have meetings 
on the weekends, even like we did a training for first responders in Puerto Rico and we did a training for folks in Scotland. Um, So we work with your time zone and we really are excited to move to Canada. We are starting to have more and more partners there. So thanks for helping us spread the word. Sort of like this podcast, I feel like we could go for four hours, but that's not realistic for, <laughs> for either of us or people to listen to definitely me. No one wants to hear me for that long, but uh, cool. Yeah, no. And that was one of the things when I got on the website, I was like, okay, where are the lessons? And then I emailed and I can say, boom, got a response right away. It was like, actually, no, you do a little bit of training. And there's, so from my perspective, the communication was phenomenal and and really good. So do you suggest a time, like as an educator, should we you know, I know kind of late August is we, we start after Labor Day weekend here. Yep. Um, I know, I think probably the States is a little bit sooner than that. Do you suggest like doing it then? Is there a bad time to start? Like, do you just dive, dive in when your heart tells you? What do you suggest? I, there? I think there's no bad time to start, sure. but, but I will say it's nice to have it fresh in your mind. So some schools will do it at the end of the year, but mm-hmm. I think Ellie, Ellie and I as former teachers, wouldn't you say if it's possible for once you're over the craziness of the first couple of weeks, if you can squeeze in an hour to meet with us, we always do this live and it's really fun. It's a fun hour that you'll be happy. I think you'll find therapeutic and be happy you took the time for. And then it's fresh in your mind and you could just be newly inspired and dive right in with your students. And if you're a teacher, like I was one of those people that I have my own anxiety issues. So many <laughs> do. And so for me, like, um, planning is a way to like soothe my anxiety. And so I was the kind of person that wanted to go into my summer break, knowing how fall was going to go. So I'd be like, Sorry. A did my wife steal your laptop there? Or is, am I talking to my wife right now? <laughs> I would be like, train me in May so that I'm, I'm restful in July. And I'm, I'm laying in the sun in July, knowing what I'm going to do in August. I was that person. So the wonderful, as Sarah said, you know, the secret to our success is our flexibility. If you re- we so believe in this and we know how life-saving it is, we do anything. We work around everybody's schedule to make it work for them. Yeah. And we have these drop-in times that work really well. But if you want to bring your whole staff, we work around that. Like, please, that's what I hope people walk away from this fo- podcast feeling. Um, wow, this program is easily accessible easy to be trained, um, highly impactful for my students, beneficial for my mental health too. Like that's what I hope people walk away knowing and the barriers are really low. So we will make it for them anytime. And we have trainings available right now. So they can reach out right now and pop in really soon and then start teaching the curriculum the next day. It's not very much prep time. And I need to give, I need to give one shout out to Ellie. You know, I write stories as well, but I feel like she's kind of, um, our leader in in sharing it. I I believe that she is she shares a really uh, difficult story, and I sometimes check in with her and I'll say, okay, we've done two trainings in one day, and now we have a third this evening. Are you okay doing this? And that's exactly what she always says to me behind closed doors. She says, Sarah, I believe in this so much that I'm willing to to drop into this level of vulnerability three times a day if we have to, to, to say if she really, and I believe it of course as well, like really truly believes this is going to save a lot of lives. How did he find you guys, man? I had worked in nonprofit um, beforehand with our executive director. And so she knew me and, and introduced. She knew. She yeah. Knew. 
And then I knew who would be the perfect partner and leader and the heart and soul of this curriculum and brought in Ellie. We have an like, extraordinary. That's a. That isn't it cool how it all works? I love it. I love stories. So because that that's I'm thinking. Okay, I was thinking about our conversation today. Sorry to cut you off, Ellie. I'll just, mm-hmm. but like just sort of like, how did this all unfold? How do you get a free thing like this? I mean, yeah, Kevin's great. You know, he's the, you know, the face and the financial support, and you know, but like, who are the people behind the scenes? And this makes total sense after starting a podcast and seeing how the world is actually really quite small. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I just wanted to honor Sarah's kindness um, mm-hmm. in, in sort of giving me credit, but I, I just want to hold the mirror back up to her because I think you do a beautiful job of it as well, Sarah. You bring your heart and your vulnerability as well. And, and I just want to say too, like, it's a beautiful thing. We've built this team. You know, we have two teaching artists that, you know, if we're training a whole school, for example, sometimes we'll send them there to do an in-person event or so we've built this real team um, that has a shared mission. And I think the reason why all it's like a magnet, the reason why all these people have come together is because Kevin was so strong and like his, like his willingness to like truly go first, you know, and like really do this brave thing became like this magnet that all of us like kind of came together and we wanted to get behind this partly because we all already knew it, the need for it in our own classrooms. And we're, you know, we all came to it as educators, but then also because the the youth mental health crisis globally, I know, and I don't know the specific Canadian statistics, but I know that globally the statistics are really um, concerning. And so we also feel the urgency too, that that makes us kind of want to do whatever it takes to get it into as many schools. And right now, 20, is it Sarah? I think almost 30,000 students are doing the curriculum and we only launched in September. So that just speaks Amazing. to the need, I think for sure, the need for it. Amazing. And we're in, we're in Canada, we're in New Zealand, we're in um, France, um, we're in Scotland, you know, so we're building all of these. Those are all new, new um, kind of locations where we're growing our partnerships and starting to train teachers. But it speaks to, you know, Kevin wants to have this global impact on Mm -hmm. mental health. And the wonderful thing about the curriculum is that we're having it right now. You know, we meet with these teachers from all over the world and get to bring the program. And it and it it's just really impactful everywhere we go. Awesome. I'm, my brain is swirling. I agree. I think my goal is going to be to get the training done uh, before the school year ends. And I'm already thinking like once every two weeks, maybe like mental health Monday. So we just pause on PE or, or in leadership, we just do a lesson. We also have um, a house system in our school. So we have six houses that kids are part of and they collect points throughout the year for a variety of things. And we do what's called advisory so today we have an advisory block after our first class. It's a 40 minute block. Everybody does, you know, like we, yeah. and the whole school is doing the same lesson. We do the playlist lesson and you've got every kid that's in the building doing it. So lots of feasible ways to do this. Um, I think the students at your school are very lucky. I wish my kids went to your school. I wish I went to that school. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I do yeah. too. You know what I've, thought about leaving before and you know sometimes change is good right and and for for me like I've I feel blessed every day I come here like I there's nowhere else I'd I'd just be too scared to see what it's like on the other side you know I've been I've been to Peru five times with kids building houses and working communities Africa I've been all you know like the opportunities that we took the basketball team to Maui this year I mean like just the things I've been able to do so that's incredible yeah um 
Now, aware of time and everything, is there anything else to uh, to discuss? Are we missing anything? Because I do want to find out your opinions on macaroni and ketchup. So uh, we, we oh, have yes, to discuss yes. those things before we let you go. But, uh, you know. I just want to echo Sarah's compliment. Like, I just feel like, you know, hearing you talk about the way you've structured your school and your the way, the kind of coach that you are. Like, you, you're such a good example of what, um, you're, you remind me a lot of Kevin, really like mm. you, you're also someone that's really to kind of really willing to kind of show your heart on your sleeve and, and model for students, what you hope they know they're, um, mm. able to share in their own lives too. So you're sort of being the change that you want to see in the world. So I feel yeah. like we're so lucky that we got connected with you. Again, it's thank you. Um, it is funny how it all works, right? I mean, this from yes. Maxine to here, right? So and I think for me, one of those big ones was, um, you know, when we were, you know, it's the typical, you know, if you choose to get married, all right. So it's like, you're dating someone for long. When are you going to get married? People are in your business. When are you, okay, you get married. When are you going to have kids? And then all of a sudden it was like, wow, we are struggling to have kids. Like this is not going the way we thought it was. I mean, getting pregnant was not an issue. And then it became a, mm. right. Well, how long can we stay married under this stress? Yeah. And, and I felt like, you look on Instagram and Facebook and all these things and people's everybody's showing everything about childbirth and their kids. And then there's this quite large percentage of people that are struggling, but no one talks about it. And I, I, my wife is, you know, if we had a choice, it's she's read a book, blanket, glass of wine, get me away from people when she needs her time. I'm like, bring people around me, social setting. I need energy. Right. And I was like, I'm not going to not talk about this. Like this is our, this is who we are. Right. And, and I think, it really changed a lot of my perspective too, in terms of like connecting with people and chatting with people and, and making people not feel uncomfortable about it. Right. That it's okay. Like when someone says, do you have kids? Not to make them feel bad. It's like, this is who we are. Right. And this is our story. So yeah. And I think it's important for those kids, but I don't know. Thanks for the kind words. Just try to just try to be me and then leave an impact on the world. I think that's what we're all trying to do. And, and um, it, like you say, if there's just that one person that we can touch, and then that's a win, right? And I view it the same way. I, I think you're such a natural in terms of sharing and vulnerability. I think you're going to get a lot out of the training. And I think so your, too. Student, your students are going to get so much out of having you lead them in this cool. way. I'm like, I was getting the chills hearing you speak because I think you just do this so effortlessly. It's like your nature, clearly. Oh, thanks. Well, I'm thrilled to get it going because I, 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 I'd be lying if I didn't admit that I'm wondering how do I take that step into this area as a teacher? Because mm -hmm. I mean, my boss will hear this, but for me, curriculum doesn't mean a lot. You know, like, I mean, at the end of the day, like, can you tell me about your uh, world history class or whatever you took in, in right. freshman year? We, we always say it's simple, but not easy. And so yeah. the structure to help educators and athletic directors and coaches step into this, mm -hmm. it's it it's it really feels like a gift you know if i yeah. we both love this job so much and you can tell and and it, and all we're really doing is we're expanding our kids toolbox mm -hmm. right so when i am 20 and i'm in college and i'm struggling with a class or whatever how do i dig into that toolbox oh i remember that lesson i took in so and so's class I can, I can work through this or I've got someone in my life that's my mentor that I can ch talk to or whatever, right? We're just expanding their toolboxes. Whereas the three of us didn't have that part of our toolbox when we were raised. God bless. I, I don't know what you really am. Good. My mom's passed away. My dad, like it was good, but still like 
the toolbox was small. Mm -hmm. Do what you're told, work hard, you'll be okay. Now that's not 2023, right? So yeah. All right. Can we do some fun questions? Yeah. Okay. All right. This is like the silly part, but uh, I always, I think it says a lot about people. Um, Okay. Now there's you down in the States, you don't get the fortune of having ketchup chips. All right. So we'll take that off the table. A lot of people on the show pick ketchup chips, you know, being a Canadian based podcast, but if you're feeling snacky, you're curling up to your favorite show, what bag of chips, if, if you are, you know, I mean, we've had some Olympic Olympic athletes that say, I, I really like oranges. So, you know, it's your world. We're just living in it, but what bag of chips would you get if you had the choice? You want me to go first? I'm so curious what Sarah's answer is. I, I, I love this. Me. I love the hang on. At the start, it was like, we'll just put our hands up to because, and then they're all aggressive dancer. Now, nobody wants to go first. Well, wow. I, I okay. have my answer, but I want to hear Sarah go first because I'm oh. curious. My answer, I think our answers could be the same. I was going to say neither of us are athletes, so we're not going to say an orange, or at least I'm not. But I, but but the chips I like are orange. My answer would be Doritos. Oh, nacho okay. cheese. Yeah. If, if I, in order to like make a million dollars, if I had to pick Sarah's chip and I know her so well, we have the same brain, not in a hundred years would I have picked Doritos. I love knowing this about you. It gives me all this insight. I have more respect for you now somehow. I don't know. I don't know. Is, is that the red bag? Do you have Doritos in Canada? It's oh, like, of course. Yeah, it's the red bag. It's like the normal. cheese. Yeah. It's, yeah. A class, it's a classic. It's a top five for sure. No doubt. Sarah, I don't think, I think if you had to guess mine, my favorite chip, and like you could make a million dollars. I don't think you could do it. No, we've never talked about junk food. I have no we idea. Never do it. Salt and vinegar. Ooh, I nice. love salt and vinegar chips. I love it. It's just, mm. I know I in Canada, it. you've got a lot of fancy flavors of potatoes. Oh yeah, chips. all dressed and stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, there's a lot. Yeah, but salt and vinegar is a classic. Like you're either, I think with salt and vinegar, you're either in or out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like your palate's yeah. either into that or you're not. You know what I mean? I'm in. Yeah. I feel like my answer is very American, but it's the truth. No, I no, 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 no. Doritos <laughs> is a classic, a classic okay. chip. I, I, I would say every third time I get chips, it's Doritos nacho, nacho cheese. So you're not alone there. Okay, yeah, good. Don't worry about that. You two mm-hmm. are kindred in many ways. <laughs> many ways. Many ways. Okay. If we had a choice between books or movies, what would we take? Is this a, I have to pick one or the other? Or yes. Do you yeah. Share both okay. Of well, okay. Let's go. Let's go with. Try to be are, aggressive. No, I love it. I love it. I love it. I'll say that in my, it depends on the time of life I'm in. Now, if Ooh. I were going to read a book, I'd fall asleep before I got past the first page. So sure. now I would probably choose like at night, if I'm relaxing before bed, a movie, but I definitely okay. would have said books in, um, in the younger years of my okay. life. And when we say books, movies, what comes to mind for you? Is there an all-time classic or is there, you know, like if... I mean, when I'm eating Doritos, I'm watching rom-coms probably. <laughs> I'm, I'm dating myself now, but like a good 90s rom-com, you can't really beat that. Yes, I love it. I, I Can I just say for Ellie, I feel like your answer is books because you're constantly pulling up. Ellie, I'm sure there's like five around her right now. Pull one up in the... 
you can't see what she's doing, but she has books that are like annotated within an inch of their lives. Like every page yeah. is annotated in Ellie's books. We have a drawer full of books down here. This one's not very, and you know, I just have a drawer. I just have all these books right here because we're always writing new lessons. And then we, you're going to, this is the one that'll really make you laugh. Yeah. We reach. Oh my God. We, this is true. And I'm not bragging about it. I'm not, this is not thing. a brag. This is not a humble brag. This is a fact. We, <laughs> We like email these authors and we say to them, you know, we have this curriculum, we're writing new lessons. Will you make a video for our curriculum? And they nine times out of 10 say yes. And then they record these beautiful videos where they like share their heartfelt wisdom that they've like researched and worked hard to get. They compile it into like a five minute video and they make this like engaging, funny, insightful. So I'm, I'm immersing myself in these books because I, I think it's, is there a greater joy than emailing an author and having them email you back? Like, can we just like say <laughs> that is like every time it happens, it takes my breath away. I'm like, even though they're not famous, you know, it just, they're famous to me, you know, sure. they are famous. They wrote a book. Like what a joy. So I guess books, I guess books that have an important part in my life right now, but like Sarah, there's a time and a place and I love a good movie. <laughs> I love a good movie. You know, when you asked this question, what first came to mind was like, I love a good movie that makes me cry. Like, I feel like so often I like push my feelings. I, I, Sarah probably doesn't think this, but often I like push my feelings away just to get through the day. Like the, there's so much about life that's heartbreaking that I have to sometimes just like soldier on. I love a movie that allows you to like open the box and pour it out. So like the last time I wept at a movie and it felt so good was Encanto. I just oh, lost it. Wow. When those people come to help them rebuild that building and you realize that the superpower that you have is inside of all of us. Like I just, I can't, I cannot, I cannot. I'm like, just, ah. Uh, I love crying. And actually rom-coms give that gift too. Like we watched yes. Notting Hill the other night and you're like crying when she's like the, right? at the, at the press release and he raises the hand and then all the reporters. Or love like, actually, basically love actually romantic comedy. Romantic comedies. Make <laughs> yeah. I love to cry at a movie. Let me know when I can speak. <laughs> In canto of, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it. Wow. You know, like Mirabelle, you think she doesn't have a superpower. Like you think, oh, she doesn't have. And then her superpower is letting everyone else be themselves. Like she holds the space for them to like discover what they really think and feel. And like I, that when I think of her, I think of like all the teachers that we work with. Like that's what they do. They, you, you are a person that your gift, I can tell already, is that you hold the space for your students to shine. And like nothing makes me cry more than thinking about like the, what teachers do every day. It's amazing. It really, it's, 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 it's a superpower. It is. So that movie made me weep. Wow. Watch it again through that lens. I'm telling you, I think you'll cry if you watch it again through that lens of like, okay. she's a teacher that shining a light on other people's, you know, ability to have, have you ever that. gotten such a passionate answer? No, not even close. <laughs> not 105 episodes we have. I'm not even close. Like, no. You covered every spectrum too. Like that was, you went the whole way. That was unreal. And like, I only have flashbacks to when we watched Encanto as a family because of the soundtrack. It was like, if we have to listen to, we don't talk about Bruno one more time in the car. I'm going to freaking, yeah. yeah. So maybe I, maybe I need to just watch it on my own and with a different uh, I can lens. cry in the corner. Yeah, with a different, with different lens. lens. Yeah. 
I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it tonight to have a good time when that community helps rebuild that house. Yeah. Yeah, you are. I'm going to lean into the feelings that are just under the surface. (laughs) I love it. Um, Who who have been some of the most important people in your life? Now, I know it's hard to narrow down and we talk maybe like this question seems to be in chapters to like where we were, but when we ask that question, who are some of the most important people in your life? Is this from childhood or as an adult? It's your world. We're just living in it. I would say from childhood, I'll answer from childhood because that's what came to me first. Sure. My grandparents, I would say my, when I was very young, my grandparents were two of the most influential, important people in my life. Okay. They taught me a lot about love between the two of them and love of how they made me feel so loved and special. 105 episodes. I don't think anyone said grandparents. Really? Well done. This is great. (laughs) I don't know how I'm going to go work after this, but. (laughs) And you do, you love people so well. Like it, I always wondered like, where did that come from? And like your family is so loving. That makes sense. Um, I have a couple of people coming to mind, but the one I'm going to share is, um, my, oh, I might cry. I might cry a little bit, but that's okay. I can, that's what, that's what we're arguing for, right? Lean in girl, lean Lean in. in. Um, I, my graduate advisor, you know, I'd, I'd written my whole, first she had like given me this great gift of helping me to, you know, do this research and write this PhD and learn from her and like just life-changing, truly life-changing. And then at the end of my, um, I probably won't get specific, but at the end of my dissertation, I had a really um, dramatic, enormous, heartbreaking loss. And um, my advisor, like a lot of people like avoided me. They didn't know. And I wonder if you felt this as you were going through what you were going through with your wife too. But when people like don't know how to like be with someone when they're going through loss or heartbreak, especially loss of a child, which was a a similar, you know, thing. I have a similar story to your story. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people kind of avoided us and, um, and she didn't, she just kept showing up, like no matter Mm -hmm. what, every day she would reach out to me every day. And she would like send me books and bought me a massage and giving me gift cards for food. And like every day would give me another. And I thought, here's this person that taught me what it means to like be a witness to my students' heartbreak. And then she did it for me, even though it was in this academic setting where people don't do it. Like for me, it was the best example of like why we have to change the norms around how we think about school in high school and college. It's like, we have to make it places where we show up for each other in real ways because you really need it when you're in crisis like that. So she was the person that was a long answer. I just, I had, I had to tell the truth. That was what happened. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It's amazing. I think, um, yeah, we think about, uh, you're making me think about the Brene Brown documentary and she's talking about being in the ring and bloodied and dirtied and then in the arena every day. And then we put value in people's opinions and thoughts that aren't in the arena or they're sitting up in the third row with their expensive seat. Mm -hmm. You got to put people, you got to put the value into the people that show up with you that are fighting the same fights that are getting dirtied and getting bloodied. Right. And when you have those people that show up for you, amazing things happen. And however many years later, you're talking about them on a, on a podcast in Vancouver, you know, 
Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Like, and that's like sometimes it can feel really like messy to like because you don't mm-hmm. know what to say. And like what I've learned is like you don't have to say the perfect thing. Just having someone be there with you and showing up is enough. Yeah. Jeez. That was a good question. Mm-hmm. That went heavy from the do we have a light question on here? We that do, we yeah, we do. Okay, we do. let's do a couple more of those. <laughs> okay, two but I more. love the opportunity to honor her because she's played such a big role in my life. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. Um, it's more of a Canadian thing, I feel like, but you know what craft dinner is, right? Katie. Like mac macaroni and cheese. cheese. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. like it's kind of a thing. Maybe when you're younger, you put mac ketchup on your macaroni. How do we feel about that? I don't feel good about it. I'm not a ketchup and macaroni person. Oh, Ellie, your volume just went away. Oh, that's weird. Oh, now you're back. Okay, you're good. good. Okay, good. Macaroni Uh, and ketchup. I'm a no for that. No, thank you. You know, my toddler, he is, it's dinner time is rough. Oh, my God. If I can, if I can pour a bowl of ketchup and he'll, dip something in it and eat it. I don't care what it is. I don't have like anything. I'll let him dip anything in ketchup if he then puts it in his mouth. So I've, <laughs> I've seen him dip carrots. I've seen him dip everything. I You name a food, I've seen him put it in ketchup before. Really? And as I long just, as it goes down the throat into the stomach, eh? Yeah. In my mind, that's a win, double win. That's a yeah. vegetable. Ketchup is a tomato smushed up. Like that's a vegetable. And then whatever the thing is got dipped in. Pickles. I saw him dip a pickle. In ketchup. Oh, and I, you know what I thought tangy. when I saw that? Whoa. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I thought. I thought cucumber, tomato. My kid just ate a cucumber and a tomato. Who can <laughs> pickle and ketchup? I was like, two vegetables. That's a win. Uh, <laughs> you can tell what phase of life, parenting life I'm in. Yes. Yes. A three-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> so mac and cheese, I'm going to do it tonight. I'm yeah, going to make the mac and cheese and put a big bowl of ketchup and have them. I'm going to say, now you're Canadian. There you go. This yeah. is a weird question, but are the Bare Naked Ladies Canadian? Yes, they are. Oh, this just clicked. A song from my childhood. They talk about craft dinner. And so there I just go. know if yeah. I had a million dollars. And I never knew what yeah. craft dinner meant. They meant macaroni and cheese. They mean the box. Um, yeah. We are connecting so many things in one hour here. This is unbelievable. You're really elevating. Somehow I just plug bare naked ladies. There you go. And if your kid <laughs> doesn't want the mac and cheese, you can curl up and cry and watch Encanto tonight and eat it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I might. That you we planned my evening is what I We're gonna be the fun. podcast to be now for most informative and also wackiest at the end. I think 100%. we planned our evenings. I think all of us are gonna watch Encanto and eat mac and cheese. <laughs> Not with ketchup, though, for Sarah. <laughs> um, last question for you. If there's someone that you, in in your mind, who would you like to see on a Hoops Journey podcast? Is there someone out there that's worth reaching out to or you think has a good story? Doesn't have to, yeah. I would, you know how Giannis just spoke about failure? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know that's reaching high. Do you know about this? I do. He answered that question. They said, do you Unreal. consider this season a failure? And his answer, I was so blown yeah. away. And Wasn't it so good? Wow. Yeah. So good. so good. And when you were talking about your students um, wanting to learn how to take rejection, like, there you go. There's play mm-hmm. that, play that response that he had, which I just thought was brilliant. Everything was in there too. He, he, he almost went over the edge with his emotion at the start, like, cause it was, you know, he just finished yeah. the season and he almost kind of, 
quote unquote went off on the reporter, but he, he gathered himself. himself. Yes. Yep. Yes. He that was the key, himself. right? And yep. then it was great like role model in that oh, moment on many levels. Yes. That was a home run for sure. Totally. That's my yeah. answer. Easy. But to your question about who you to interview on your show, mm-hmm. have you ever interviewed one of your students or one of the players on your team? I haven't. And I've thought about that. I've thought I think about that. That would be so. Well, here's what I've learned from this last, these last three years of meeting students oh, and teachers. Like not, I've interviewed ones, but they're, they're older. Right. Like, so not currently on my team, okay. but like ones that played for me and then maybe yeah. played, played in college kind of thing. So I have done that, but not one that's current. That'd be a, I wonder how candid they'd be if they get their real thoughts out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure what I've learned from the, you know, we have this youth council and we work with students. And one thing I've learned from it is how like emotionally intelligent and like willing to talk about their thoughts and feelings. Um, a lot of young people are granted that's mm-hmm. like a group of kids, but it just sure. would be interesting to hear kind of what, um, what the youth perspective is on like mental health and like the norms. Cause I think we're taking away some of that stigma a, a little bit. It would be cool to hear students talk about or how they manage, like how they, especially athletes, like how are they managing the anxieties yeah. of playing and stuff? I just think it would be a cool, a cool episode. Okay. I like it. There we yeah. go. Um, There's the spectrum, Giannis or the kid right next to you down the hall. Yeah. Like you really, we've got, we've got things to strive for. Here we go. You know, it might be harder to get one of the kids, to be honest. Like, you know, I think you're knows. right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's possible. We're talking about frontal lobe, right? So tell me your thoughts on mental health. Uh, like some teenage boy, right? But uh, you this was know. amazing. This was so great. Um, it was so fun. But it was any, fun. Any last thoughts or reflections or anything you want the people to know before we uh, kind of hit end on the recording? Um, and, you know, I think uh, we just need more of this in the world. And I'm excited for you all and, and the, the opportunity to sit down and chat with you and, and get to know you a little bit more. But also, I think, you know, like you said, there's a need for this stuff and there's never too much of it. And I think you've created a platform and a way for educators to really strive within it and to make it really usable and user-friendly. Um, and you don't have to be an expert in the field. And I think that takes a lot of fear away um, as teachers, because we're always concerned about saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing because you never know. Right. And so I think this really, um, you know, it gives teachers a, a space where, they can get to know their kids a little bit better and let the kids know that it's okay to not be okay. So thanks for being with us and, and, and any of the last thoughts you have would be lovely to hear, although we've covered a lot today and it's been fantastic. I just want to say this is very inspiring to me to meet with you and to have this, you know, authentic conversation. And it's, um, I love this work because it's so universal, you know, it crosses mm-hmm. um, all sorts of lines and it's just working with, people who want to do better by these adolescents. And Mm -hmm. it's really inspiring to me. It makes me, I'm an optimistic person by nature, but it always makes me feel hopeful to have conversations like this. But there are so many people out there that want to do this work with their students. Cool. I'll just echo Sarah and say, you know, I, I'm inspired by you. Like just Mm. what you're doing with students makes me feel um, just grateful that we got connected. And then the other thing I want to say is that, you know, if there's a teacher listening to this, 
uh, podcast and they're like intrigued, but not sure how they could bring it or where would they put it? Or, you know, if there's like a question about it, but they're just a little bit curious, I would encourage them to just reach out and just come to a training. Cause I feel like even if you can't do the lessons, if you just learn a little bit more about how to be with other, be with your kids, you know, when they're struggling, like I would say just come in and hear more about it and learn more about it because I think um, it might be meaningful and helpful for them too. So I would just encourage them to reach out. Excellent. I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, we ask our kids all the time to learn and grow and we try to challenge them. And then sometimes as adults, we don't do that ourselves, right? And I think when we can model those behaviors, powerful things happen. So many great takeaways here. Um, this will be one I'll have my kids listen to in my leadership class and, and, you know, have them reflect and we'll talk more about. And um, like I said, I just doing this show for a few years now, it's really funny how the world works and sometimes it all clicks together and and really cool things happen. And I think uh, thanks to Maxine for yes. being vulnerable and, and putting my name out there and then look to what's the leads to, like I said, I think we could talk for hours and um, thankful for people like yourselves who are willing to do the stuff behind the scenes, build the curriculum, build the foundation so that teachers can do their best and we can just create a better world for all. And uh, that's really what you're doing. I know you probably don't think of it like that, but what you're doing is you're changing people's lives and young people's lives, our future. So, so thank you. Um, a phenomenal episode. I know everyone will enjoy this, a very twist compared to what we normally do, but it was super, super cool. Um, go watch Encanto, stay away from the catch up. And we'll see you on the next episode.